0: If I look at my my younger self and think of the things that she was maybe dreaming of doing or thought, oh, well, what if I could do that? If I can look back now and see that I've done those things, or I'm at least working on those things, that really inspires me to then carry on and set new goals and do things that future me eventually is going to be really proud of.
1: You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femmechanics. Femmechanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast katie chandler's in the driver's seat today she's a full-time panel beater at a bmw shop in the uk she also has a side hustle called nugs stripes where she paints signs and does pin striking katie is also a 2020 world skill uk national qualifier buckle up and enjoy the show Hello Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you and I have Katie Chandler in the hot seat. She is the sister of Stacy, so we got a family affair going on here at Femcanic Garage. Welcome to the show, Katie.
0: Hi, thank you.
1: So nice for you to join us all the way from the UK. Uh Femcanic is global, so thanks for uh I believe it's evening there. I'm on Eastern Standard Time. It's I think we figured about 5 hours ahead of me. Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, it's uh, at 6 o'clock
1: in the uh, evening. Wow, crazy. Crazy, crazy. I normally do (laughs) evening recordings, so between, geez, 7.30 and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but uh, I didn't think it'd be real nice to have you uh, doing an interview at like 1 a.m. in the morning for you. So (laughs) I went out and did the unglorified mowing the lawn and then came in, and here we are, sitting down having an interview. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, it's exciting.
1: <laughs> so I tell you what, why don't we jump in? Uh, I always find it fascinating to ask my guests, what got you started in the automotive industry?
0: I think, in in truth, me and Stacy were just born into it somehow. It, it didn't fully come through until we were older that it was like a career path for us. But ever since we were kids, we've always, always been interested in building stuff and fixing things like because we had endless amounts of toys at home um like i mean bikes bmx's mountain boards everything and my dad if we got a puncture or the chain came off and stuff like that we'd always be like i I mean we're young to be like oh dad can you fix this but he would always make us kind of do it with him and it's something that now we're both so thankful for because it's i think that's really where our interest started
1: I have to ask, just having um, children myself, a 12 and a nine-year-old, were you excited when he said, no, you got to sit down and do this? Or or was it kind of like, dad, why don't you just do it for me?
0: Uh, I wish I could say we were enthusiastic every time, but sometimes we were just, it was like letting pigs out a pen. When we were outside, we just wanted to run about That's a great (laughs) analogy. I mean, we were just nuts and you can ask my parents and they'll, (laughs) agree to this but we're just mental so if he was like no you gotta sit still for a minute and you gotta listen and uh, yeah I must admit a lot of the time it was kind of like oh but it's sunny and I need to get out and whatever else but looking back yeah we're both really thankful for that
1: I tell you what hearing this now um, as a parent uh, sometimes you feel like you're pulling teeth (laughs) and it's, it's nice to know somewhere along the way maybe they'll appreciate these things that we have them do so from a young age, now Stacey had mentioned that your dad's in the industry as well, correct?
0: Uh, he did for a little bit. He worked with my uncle, who's got his own garage, and and he worked with him for a little while. But by trade, my dad's—he was a butcher. He was a—he worked in a slaughterhouse. He's done and a farm. So basically, anything to do with like the the meat industry, he can take a, a pig from you know. He's got a saying, and I always forget it. I think it's from field to plate, something like that. And but yeah, he's a farmer really by trade and butcher and all that.
1: My family, my grandfather's generation, they were all farmers. And what I've learned about farmers is you can't be a farmer and not also know mechanical work. <laughs>
0: they kind yes. of go hand in yeah. hand, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Outstanding. So it's interesting because Stacy does the mechanical stuff and you didn't go down the mechanical path. What path did you go down?
0: I had a, a bit more of a, a zigzaggy path than what Stacy did because I did obviously I saw her go into um, mechanics and I thought oh cool and when I first started I was adamant I didn't want to work for a big company and at that time I, I wanted to do mechanics um, I wasn't actually even looking at being a panel beater in truth I didn't know that job was still a thing I thought panel beating was a a kind of dying or a dead trade and only really in like restoration work can
1: you explain to the listeners what that is exactly I, I i don't want to assume folks know what that means oh panel beating correct yeah it it's literally beating a panel into shape right
0: <laughs> yeah panel beating is it's always a funny one if i if i you know when you go to the doctors and they ask all of them questions like what's your job they're always like um can you explain <laughs> but it I work in insurance repairs but it's any kind of um, body work repair or sometimes I do mechanical as well like suspension um, kind of like light vehicle stuff um, but it's to do with replacing um, permanent and non-permanent panels on cars so I'll be taking new doors on and off and stripping them out and putting them back together again or putting a new quarter panel on welding them on or bonding a rivet which is quite a new technique that Because I work for BMW, that's actually their sole technique, so I do a lot of bond and rivet. But yeah, pretty much anything to do with cosmetics and repair of cars, that's what I do.
1: See when I when I hear panel beating, it sounds like a great stress reliever. (laughs) It sounds like therapy. (laughs) Like like there should be classes for that for you know, I can see it now, Katie, where you're hosting a women's only class and it's Letting them shape panels and get frustration—I <laughs> mean, it's like therapy. Yeah.
0: yeah, using sledgehammers to whack out damage is is a lot of fun.
1: It's like a win-win.
0: It really is, and it's it's great creatively as well. So frustration-wise, if you if you just have one of them days, someone says, like, my mentor has been really good with this. In that, if we've got big repairs and I'm working with him, he'll give me the hammer first and say, "Right, have a go at bashing that out." And you'll be whacking away for 10 minutes and it's just, it's brilliant. But then you've got the filler side of it as well, which is almost therapeutic because it's, it's annoying at first, but once you get used to it and you kind of get the swing of it, blocking the shape and when you get it just right, it's really, really satisfying.
1: Mm. It it sounds very satisfying seeing that finished product. So how did you, you started discussing this kind of zigzaggy path? And yes. you started going yep. into me- the mechanical route. And I'm trying to time block this. When did you actually start working in the industry? Like, how old were you?
0: I was, uh, I was still in secondary school. I was doing my GCSE. So I've been maybe 15, 16. I got a, where I grew up, it's a little, it's a, technically a city, but it's just, it's tiny um and there's a two brothers that own a a garage there called gills auto services and my dad used that garage for years and years and years and they advertised on facebook that they wanted a saturday lad to come in and you know sweep up and stuff like that
1: wait you gotta you gotta teach me about the this lingo here what did you refer to that position as
0: oh (laughs) sorry saturday lad lad as as in a boy they want just kind of like a part-time worker, just for a couple of hours, come in, sweep up, um, go and get the breakfast butties on a Saturday, stuff like that.
1: So it, it's they called it a Saturday lad.
0: Saturday lad, yeah.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm I'm just oh, no. learning some of this lingo, and and I I work with the Belron folks at Safe Light, and they're in the UK as well. And there's certain things in Safe Light that I'm very privy to the like the the nuances and language but some of these are new for me so I apologize for interrupting but I'm like oh that sounds interesting
0: yeah no of course (laughs) yeah it was just something that it's a very small local business and they just wanted someone to come in a couple of hours come sweep up and stuff like that and my my dad showed it to me at the time I was looking for a new job I was a waitress at the time and I wanted to start looking into getting into the industry he's like oh why don't you do this so we went in and I says, uh, well, I know you're asking for a lad, but would you mind a, a Saturday lass? And they took me on. Yeah, that, that week. They're like, yeah, no worries. So I went in, I actually went in on a Wednesday night as well after school. Um, and I bullied them somewhat Rotten with questions. Every time they'd be doing something, I'd be like, oh, what's this? Or why are you doing that? Or can I help with this? Or whatever else? And uh, yeah, they definitely uh, didn't quite know what they were signing up for when they hired me to come in and uh, speak That's up. outstanding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're about 16 years old when you took this on. You going to school full time and doing this part time. Yes. Yeah. Now, how long were you there with that company?
0: I was there for about a year, I want to say, and then I started my because I, I bullied them really to give me an apprenticeship because um, I wanted to work there. I was dead happy and I got along with the two lads very well. I still do. When I need to take my car for an MOT, I'll bring it back and I'll. Um, because I bought it from them my polo and uh bullied them for that as well <laughs> but I go back every year and have a catch-up but yeah they they didn't quite they weren't quite ready for an apprentice from then I broadened my search um and just looked at the motor trade so I looked at like I didn't actually know there was any pound-beating jobs around it just happened to pop up on google um and I started looking into uh like body shops and painting and stuff like that and yeah, just happened to apply for the right one and luckily got in.
1: What what age were you when you started that apprenticeship?
0: My current one, the panel beating one.
1: Mhm.
0: Um I was uh, 17.
1: Wow. I I mean I'm just processing that cuz here in the states a lot of folks don't really get into it to college and stuff till they may take like pre-college courses. Mm-hmm. But wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, I did one year of, I think our equivalent to college in the UK is something called sixth form, where you do your A-levels, which is kind of like before you go to university, you need to do your A-levels to get onto certain courses, um, stuff like that. And I I decided I wanted to do that first, um, just see whether I liked it, and then I'd look for an apprenticeship. So you're supposed to do two years, but I ended up dropping out after the first year. I just knew that kind of academic route wasn't for me. I had to be... More hands on and doing something. And from then, I had my heart set on an apprenticeship.
1: How old are you now, Katie? I'm 21. I mean, it's crazy. You're 21 years old and you've already been in the industry for five years. Yeah. I mean, think <laughs> about that. Yeah.
0: I, I actually hadn't until you kind of just mentioned it there. Um, it's not something I thought about really from kind of like an outsider's perspective because it's just been normal for us growing up, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it's, yeah, it certainly doesn't feel that long.
1: <laughs> now, you said you work for BMW right now. Yes. And yeah. you've been with BMW how many years now?
0: Um, Three and a half years now. Three and now. a half years. Wow. Yeah. What was
1: that experience like? What was that interview like? I imagine that you had to go through some process in order to be brought on.
0: Yeah. I had not been so scared for an interview in my life because it just felt so official i mean it was this this massive building at the main dealership and um you know i'm not used to being very smartly dressed so i already felt out my comfort zone and then i'm walking into this big fancy showroom and there's very very smartly dressed people and I, i'm just kind of like i'm here to see so and so for an interview and i felt so out of my depth but luckily i actually had a lady interview me i was fully expecting to have um a man and she said I was one of the, the the few females that she had the chance to to talk to so I was, it was actually surprisingly pleasant and yeah so we had like a introductory interview um and then you don't hear anything for a while and they'll from there you have a trial week um where you'll go to the body shop for one week and just work with uh your assigned mentor and you get to have a feel of the place and they get to kind of get a feel of you see whether you're going to be any good and they offered me the job on the second day of my trial they had um a lad in the week before me Wow. yeah and they said straight away like if you want it it's yours (laughs) so it was that was really exciting I remember being stood in the supermarket on my way home calling my dad and just like saying like I got it like I'm in and he was just like no way (laughs) and he was like obviously he was like expecting that i'd do well but just to hear it and that's it because it was a big life change i mean from there getting a job that's it i was moving out i was starting a a new life away from home
1: wow and and i mean bmw is a a high-end brand yeah and this isn't a bash on you know domestic cars it's just there's there's different tiers of cars as with anything yeah um, so, are you currently s- still an apprentice or how does that process go in the UK? Uh,
0: well, I've just finished. We were supposed to have our graduation a couple of weeks back, but obviously, because of the coronavirus, it's gotten postponed. So, I haven't officially got my certificate yet, but I am um, fully done and dusted.
1: So, th- three years?
0: Three years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the same in America or is it y- longer? You or know, shorter?
1: I'm not sure, to be perfectly honest. I, I just, when I hear three year apprenticeship, it impresses me because there there's so much right now is about get it done quick not necessarily get it done mm. well and in training's part of that so you hear a lot of times where people want more time in training or apprenticeship work but they're being rushed so that they can charge a yeah. higher dollar when people yeah. don't feel ready that's great
0: yeah when we first started i mean it was I was 17 and the idea of, you know, you start up and you'll finish in three years time and thinking that it'd be like, oh, I, well, at that point I'd had loads of jobs. I'd worked as like a waitress, I'd been a butchers and whatever else. And I'd never held one longer for like nine months. I never got sacked or anything. I just got bored and I'd do something else. So the idea of being in something for at least three years before I've even really started, I was like, oh, that seems forever away. But now I'm at the end of the three years. It's like, where's that time gone?
1: What would you tell women in the trades just with with your experience around that and so far of trying to find your place? What what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Or what would you tell your younger self?
0: It will come naturally. The feeling of fitting in will come with time. When I first started, I was kind of worried about it of whether – because I felt a little bit of a misfit at the start because it was obviously – a male dominated place. The lads in there have, they'd never seen a female in the workshop before. Um, and it was new for all of us. And obviously there was lots of questions going around. I was sat thinking, can, are these questions going to be around my entire career? Like, is this going to be just repetition of, yes, I like cars and, you know, I got the job the same as anybody else. So I didn't do anything special.
1: Can you share some of those questions, Katie? Just to, I think those types of questions will help people connect. What kind of questions are you referring to?
0: When I first started, there was was all sorts. And a lot of the time, I know it's from people just being, they're trying to be polite and nice and start conversations, but they'll start with things like, so so how did you get into the motor industry then? Or how come you're interested in cars? Like there'd be some special reason different to their own, as in, you know, I just like cars. (laughs) I've always had an interest. And it was, that came up a lot of like, why are you here? Like, surely there's something different. Surely there's something, um, you know, unusual about you. But it's like, really? No, I just I just like cars. That's it. I have done for a very long time. Um, and it just kind of felt like sometimes I would always be answering those questions. But the, the longer I was there and they got to see me work and see that actually I was just the same as them. It just, it comes with time the confidence and the feeling of settling in will come with.
1: How me. did you cope with all those? Were there times where you were just annoyed with it? And was everyone trying to start a conversation or were some people rude or what was your experience?
0: It was a, it was a very mixed bag to be honest in, in a good way too, because my mentor and what we, we have so like the the panel team and the painters, and then we have like a body shop, uh, like a workshop controller. Um, he looks over everybody makes sure everyone's doing the job and um I worked with a controller and my mentor never ever checked me different from day one I'm so thankful for that even now if I get daft questions or stuff like that I will speak to them because I know they don't see me any different they never have checked me any different but other lads I think the older lads were polite polite enough obviously because they've got old school manners and you know, talk to women. that try their best not to swear, and they'd pull anyone else up if they swore and stuff like that. But there's, um yeah, some people are definitely more quiet to start with until they actually got to to know me and see me work. Because obviously they don't know, and I hate to say it because it's obviously not how I see it, but they don't know how I'm going to react to workshop banter and stuff like that. And I think that's a lot of what their where their apprehension came from. But generally. Everybody was really nice. I never had anybody kind of tell me right off the bat, oh, you shouldn't be here or whatever else. Everyone was just kind of, everyone just dubious. They were like, okay, I'll wait out a few weeks, see what she does. But yeah, I'm I'm good mates with all of them in there now. I don't have an issue with any of the lads I work with.
1: And that's outstanding. How did you, I guess that initial period when they're just kind of waiting and seeing, what did you do? How did you handle that situation?
0: I. Try my best just to keep my head down. I kind of let it sounds so silly, but I kind of let them come to me. <laughs> I didn't want to like force myself on them and be like, "Oh, hi, I'm Katie, and I'm here to do this, this, this because I knew it was as alien for them as it was for me, so I just kept my head down, and I knew if I did good work and I could prove to myself and to them that I'm more than capable of doing it and whatever else, and then they would eventually get used to me. And yeah, they're all definitely more than used to me now. They, uh, I have a good laugh with everybody at work, and I feel really lucky for that.
1: I mean, you you really are blessed, my friend. And this sounds like yeah. it's it is and has been an amazing experience, a positive experience. Oh yeah, kudos to you. I, in listeners, this tells you the type of person Katie is. Katie reached out to me via Instagram because Stacy was working a show and some people were rude to her. Some gentlemen were rude to her telling her that women don't belong in this industry and that she shouldn't be there. And if you haven't listened to Stacy's interview, she is a mechanic for Porsche and she was kind of down in the dumps and discouraged. And you actually reached out to me on Instagram and all you asked of me was to message her on Instagram, just some words of encouragement. And I as I do with anyone before I invite them onto the show as a featured guest, I look to see how they represent themselves. Because there's a certain brand that Femcanic represents and Stacy is a woman of class and integrity much like yourself, but you reached out for her not for yourself. I didn't even know you were in the industry until Stacy talked <laughs> about you and I'm like, "What?" But that's how selfless yeah. you are and, and giving you are. Kudos to you. And your parents did a great job raising both of you. You were both amazing women. So I, I'm thoroughly impressed.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's very nice to hear.
1: <laughs> so you have been working for five years in the industry. You've spent three years and have just finished your apprenticeship. What is next for Katie?
0: Long story short, I'm not 100% sure. I'm definitely staying in the trade for a bit longer. Um, well, hopefully a lot longer. But I'd like to move on and do my senior technician. Um, so when you finish your apprenticeship, you're just a, a just a paddle beater. Um, but you can then go further and do a senior panel tech qualification. And not because it'll particularly change my job role at all. Um, I've ended up taking quite a lot of responsibility on at work. And... Um, due to the company and people leaving, there's only actually me and my mentor on the panel team just now, which is good. It's really good because it means that there's no way I can end up being pushed out of certain jobs. Like if there's a lot of big jobs on at the time, like if there's court panels and lots of like heavy panel work, I'm, I'm not last in line to get it, you know, I'm alongside my mentor. So it's it wouldn't change my day to day job too much. It's more just for the, I'd like to go as far as I can with BMW training wise and certificate wise for one day, hopefully to start moving more onto classics. Cause I work a lot on modern cars at the minute. We've done the odd classics, but it's it's very, very rare that we see a, an older car come in. So long-term goal, I would love, it's an absolute dream to work on classic cars.
1: Define classic cars, because that means, what I have found is, that means different things to different people. So classic means what to you?
0: To me, it means anything older than probably the 90s. I know 90s is probably more retro to some people's eyes, but anything that you wouldn't class as a modern car, i.e. it's got all technology, like, just... I mean, the, the dream era is probably talking uh, 50s, 60s, 70s cars. Ooh, um,
1: now we're talking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be the real dream. Because then panel beating was a different job. Today, it's a lot of the old fellas like to call it, we're just panel fitters. We're not panel beaters because we don't actively have the knowledge to make the panels. We're just fitting them. They get ordered. We slap them on and then job's done. I would love to learn and train properly in traditional panel beating, uh, like using, using an English wheel and making panels from scratch. That is a big goal of mine that at some point in my life, I will definitely get to do.
1: Oh, that sounds interesting. I owned a 1959 Triumph. and
0: Oh, yeah, really?
1: Yeah, I, I don't own it anymore. I had too many projects, so I ended up selling it and. That little roaster was so cool. But yeah. <laughs> when talking to the body man, there's um, some panels that I thought needed to be replaced. And one, I would have had to order them from the UK and have it shipped here to the US. But two, what he said is with those old panels, they were literally built exactly the way that you're talking about. These weren't stamped by a machine. Mm. And yeah. He's He educated me around it, where he's like, don't replace this panel, because fitting it could be a nightmare. You're better off to repair the small section than to get a whole new yeah. panel. Mm. And it comes down to how each one was made. And that, that was yeah. a neat little car.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's just older cars, full stop, and more fun. I was adamant when I was younger that, I was going to have a, a classic car as my first car. I, I remember telling my parents and them being like, okay. And they're kind of like, you do realize how much they cost. <laughs> and they they raised us on the idea of you can have anything you want as long as you pay for it. So me and my sister have both been like working since we are young. I think I was like 13 when I had my first like summer job. And that was to get like phones or whatever we wanted. We could have it as long as we worked for it.
1: And Great value. Go mom, dad. I agree with that.
0: <laughs> it definitely taught us to value of money because it didn't actually end up getting spent all that much on phones and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of, because at the time I was saving for my car, I was a waitress, so I'd get my tips. And each time I got tips, which was like every day I'd be putting like a couple of quid in my tin. And I'd, I was so <laughs> obsessed with it when I was younger. I had a tin, you know, like the money tins with the slots at the top that you can't open. And it's supposed to be like an X amount in the in the tin when you finished. I had one of those and I'd put pictures my of my dream first car, which was a Mark II Volkswagen uh, Volkswagen caddy pickup.
1: That is awesome.
0: <laughs> and I was just obsessed. I mean, I printed out pictures and I'd found a nice wallpaper that I liked and I'd decorated this tin and I'd even laid out like little sticky notes on the tin saying like, okay, the car's gonna cost me X amount of money and then the insurance is going to cost me X amount of money and then taxing it and my first tank of fuel and any spare bits that I might need and the first MOT and I was obsessed Um, and I started saving up for my car from when I was about 14 because I knew I had a lot of ground to cover money wise and I actually found my first car which is my still my daily car now which is a 1993 Volkswagen Polo a little three-door coupe and that was actually at gills so where I got the first like the Saturday lad job um they had it and they they were keeping it for one of their sons for when they got older and I I remember the first time we saw it and looking around it and thinking oh that's cool that's really cool I've not seen many of these and whatever else and yeah over when it came to me um doing my lessons and because I was doing my driving lessons uh whilst I was there and I was I kept on kind of nudging it and suggesting to them like how much would you want for that and all this and I yeah I ended up getting it from them and that's the car that I restored uh last year and I just love it so much you you can't compare the the feeling of driving and owning a classic car to any modern car it's just a whole different ball game
1: it is In, in there there are pros and cons to new cars and classic cars but it's it's a relationship Hmm. that you have with the car that you you don't mind fixing it (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like one of those things that it's just yeah yeah i i completely understand now so we had this conversation in the pre-interview and stacy brought it up a, a little bit but this whole concept Of the English in tea. So I told you, I'm like, I'm going to have you educate us Americans on tea. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about that. I know that is not industry related. Or is it? Because if you go to the UK, I understand that in the waiting rooms, probably there's tea. (laughs) Whereas here, there's coffee. So educate this american on good quality tea what do i look for what are good brands what do you put in it
0: well okay so this is tea is just a life thing in the uk it's not necessarily to any industry if if you go into any household in the uk or any business you'll be able to get a good cup of tea and for for me, I was raised in Yorkshire, which is a county in England, kind of like, I'm, I'm guessing how America has its states. We have like our different counties. And Yorkshire Tea, obviously, is from its um, name place, Yorkshire. So we are very passionate about how you're supposed to have your tea. There is definitely a right and a wrong way, because there are, there are other brands of tea that which we, we won't name. Um, because they're just they're not worth the water that they're putting. It's, <laughs>
1: they're not <laughs> you worthy. Have
0: Yorkshire tea? No, it's it's dishwater. It's it's just not got the tea flavor at all. Um, all that, or that you have to use three tea bags per mug to to get any sort of
1: tea. I am chuckling, Katie, because my my partner is Puerto Rican, and Puerto Rican ah. in their coffee is is equivalent to English folks in their tea. So yeah. it's, I'm hearing you talk, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it it sounds like my my family."
0: Yeah, <laughs> for coffee, it's, it's patriotic. It, it,
1: yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Like in in it's it's one of those things where you have certain coffees at your house, and if you mm. don't have those, it it's almost like, "What's wrong with you? How are you Puerto Rican <laughs> yeah, and you exactly. don't have these?" <laughs> like,
0: yeah. And it's also the way you make the tea. Yes. If for for us, the perfect cup of tea is you put never ever ever put the milk in first. Always tea bag and you put your sugar in, usually one or two. If you go more than two, you're just like drinking sugar water. So you between one and two sugars, pop your tea bag in, put your hot water in and you let it just sit for a minute and then you pop your milk in. But a lot of people put far too much milk in. You've got to have a real nice, strong colour on your tea. That's that's the best. Or if you've got a flask, um, like a thermos flask, um, so we always used to do when we were following rallies when we were kids. Part of the the excitement of like the dinner time was flask tea because it had been sat in there with the tea bags in for hours, and it was just so strong it almost left like a, a bit of taste in your mouth. But it's just oh, it's amazing. So
1: I have to ask about the milk, like. Mm. when i think milk can mean many different things when you say milk like are you talking about like whole milk skim milk evaporated milk right uh,
0: i think it depends on where you grew up and kind of what uh money situation your whole your household had <laughs> i think if you were for whatever reason we always had semi-skim milk when we were kids and i still carry that through now like um I'm not even sure whether there's that much of a difference between whole milk and uh, semi-skimmed milk. Um, but for me, I use semi-skimmed. I'm not sure how whole milk would taste. Maybe I need to try that. Interesting. But yeah, cow's milk traditionally.
1: Okay. And do you? Uh, is the milk? Do you heat up the milk separately and pour it in?
0: Uh, no, not usually. Just pop it straight in from the fridge.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Mm. That makes it usually j- just just hot enough. That it's, you know, a nice hot drink, but not quite, it's not quite cool. Right. If you're not
1: going to burn yourself. Yeah. It cools it down just enough so you're not burning yourself.
0: Yeah, just a little bit.
1: Wow. So <laughs> the the brand name of the tea is?
0: Uh, Yorkshire Tea.
1: It's just that simple, Yorkshire Tea. So yeah, I yeah. think what I'm going to have to do is I'm probably going to have to go on Amazon or something in and, and buy this tea, but what what I may have you do if you're open to it is maybe send me a link to the specific one that you're talking about so that I can see and make sure that I find the right one to order
0: yeah of course i I can even send if you like they they have a fancy Yorkshire tea and they call it yorkshire gold oh really now that that is a treat that is a very very nice tea not they're not massively different in taste, but I just think it's it just tastes a bit stronger. It's more what you'd want from a tea. So if you like, I can send you some a link to some yours. I, gold. I
1: would love that. And, and you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I am going to get it. And I'm going to take pictures of my partner and I yeah? having tea together. <laughs>
0: Great stuff. I look forward to seeing it. And I it. will
1: post it on Instagram. And I will tag both you and your sister and say I'm giving homage to my, my UK peeps fantastic i'm a, i'm excited to try this you know what b- what blows me away is and maybe other people do but for me i've never thought to put milk in my tea i've really? never put it's literally tea bag water i mean maybe some sugar but or we actually put honey in it we don't use sugar we put honey in it
0: oh that's fancy <laughs>
1: we're fancy <laughs> <laughs> my partner puts honey in her coffee but yeah See, I'm excited. I'll have to try this because I'm not a coffee drinker. Now, is Yorkshire tea caffeine free or does it have caffeine?
0: Uh, it has a little bit of caffeine in. Okay. You can get you can get decaf. No, ones,
1: no, no. What's the point? No. <laughs> I, I don't
0: <laughs> I like <thinking. laughs> I don't understand the point of that. <laughs> no, I agree. There's, but there's certainly not enough to get you. Like as buzzed
1: as coffee. Oh is. wow! Well, I again thank you for letting me take us down a tangent because we chatted a little bit about this <laughs> in the pre-interview, and I'm like, I really want to learn more about this because I, I Americans don't do tea like my English folks do, and I, I just mm. I wanted to get educated a little bit. So thank you for obliging my rabbit hole discussion.
0: <laughs> no, no worries. It's one of the things that. It's just, you can't be a cup of tea. Yes, any pretty much 90% of British people will say the same. You just can't be a cup of tea. Any situation. Mm. Love it. Yeah.
1: Well, Stacey, er, Stacey, goodness. We've been talking about your sister, <laughs> Katie, and I'm like, goodness. Katie, I think we're ready to launch into the red line round. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, sure. All right.
1: Number one, who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry?
0: I think... I'd struggle to put maybe one person or one specific memory to that. But I think definitely seeing my sister do what she's done was an inspiration. And also kind of, I'm not sure if this makes sense, but if I look at my my younger self and think of the things that she was maybe dreaming of doing or thought, oh, well, what if I could do that? If I can look back now and see that I've done those things or I'm at least working on those things, That really inspires me to then carry on and set new goals and do things that future me eventually is going to be really proud of.
1: I love that response, Katie. And and I'll tell you why I love that response so much. There is nothing wrong with giving shout outs to people that inspire you and have helped you. Love it. Totally get it. But what I love so much about that response is reminding women out there that there is absolutely nothing wrong, there is nothing conceited, nothing selfish about you being your own inspiration. And I think it's
0: for sure. awesome.
1: And I think it's a great reminder yeah. for us women.
0: That's it. Because it's not at all to come across big headed, but surely everyone has that moment of reflection where they can look back and say, you know what? I'm doing things right now that I dreamt I could do when I was 16 and watching the lads use the spanners I'm the one behind the spanner now and that's seeing that progression if you really look back that's I think that's what that's more powerful than any Instagram post for inspiration or anything like that if you can actually see yourself doing it that's limitless power absolutely
1: and what a great reminder ladies pause and reflect it's easy to get yes. caught up in the everyday and what needs done next. I'm totally guilty of this and my partner does a great mm-hmm. job of slowing me down and saying, "James, stop. Look at how far you've yeah. come." And we what a great reminder for everyone. Pause and just reflect and it's okay to pat yourself on the back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to sometimes give yourself some credit, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I love it, Katie.
1: Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck on a job?
0: Um, at work, first protocol's of usually my mentor or some of the older lads that are in the body shop. Um, if I've got a question, you can pretty much guarantee they've got an answer to it from many years of experience. But if I'm like tinkering about at home, like with my painting and stuff like that, or if I want to learn something different, I will. Usually YouTube. I, I like YouTube a lot. And you know what? Pinterest. I spend far too much time on Pinterest. Man,
1: I've been addicted to Pinterest lately. And next thing I know, like I'll look <laughs> down, I'm like, oh my God, that's really cool. And I'll like pin it. And then it like shows yeah. you another one. And then next thing I know, I look at the time, I'm like, 45 minutes?
0: <laughs> How did yeah, that happen? That's it. And you've been looking at DIY loo roll holders or something right. stuff like that. You know right. what I mean?
1: <laughs> right. Oh my, that's great. So Katie, what excites you most about what you do?
0: Hmm. I think probably the whole scene, the process. If I get to do a job, like a big job, especially from start to finish, where you'll get it in and it's had a real bad, for example, if it's been hit at the back really bad and it needs to go on the jig and it needs lots of new panels and welding and all the fun stuff. If I get to do a job like that from start to finish and I can look at the progression of it, that's definitely one of my like favorite parts because it's just when you yeah, when you finish it and you look at it, it's all done and you, you almost can't tell that it's been worked on. It's just kind of like, huh, well, would you look at that? Did that with me on two hands kind of thing. It's It's just a nice little moment of, yeah, that's cool.
1: Absolutely. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or just discouraged? Personal practice.
0: I think I'd have to say probably my drive to and from work and just what I do in that time if I've had a real naff day at work or even if I have had a really good day at work I will put my like I'll plug my phone in and I'll put Spotify on and I'll just sing like at the top of my lungs and even like at work if there's a great song on the radio I'll do my best to I won't sing quite as loud because then I'll take the piss but I will sit in my little corner or try and like sneakily do like a little bit of a dance or something like that just to get that energy out, you know. But it's kind of built up. You just need to step away from it for a minute or just think about something else to clear your head for a bit. Yeah, I'll usually try and do a little bit of a sing or a dance or something like that.
1: I'm I'm sitting here laughing on mute. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I I just got this <laughs> visual of you, Katie, where. We, we pull up to a stop sign, we're next to each other, and I look over, and you're just jamming in oh. your car, singing at the top of your lungs with the, with the window down, and it just makes my day. And I don't know if anyone, if that's ever happened to anyone, where you're driving, you see someone oh. just jamming, and you could be having kind of a crummy day, but you see them, and just they're completely happy, and you can't help but smile, like, dang, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many times there's a little roundabout on my way home from work and there's a fellow I used to work with and he's, every now and again I'll see him in his van and there was this one time, it was summer so I have my window down and I was, I just wasn't aware that I was sat in this queue of traffic and I was singing my little heart out and next thing I know, someone's pipping the horn next to me and it's this fellow I used to work with and he's like, you alright? and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good <laughs> and just that embarrassment but as soon as he was gone, that was it right up to 11 again. That
1: is outstanding. You know, that's probably one of the best responses I've got to this question so <laughs> far because there is something absolutely therapeutic about that because it's just yeah. you get it out, but there's something freeing. When I see someone in a car like yeah. just jamming like their head's gone and you can mm. tell they're screaming at the top of their lungs, maybe I can hear it. That there's something that I have such admiration because they don't care who's around them. They're doing their thing. Mm. And I have so much respect for that.
0: It's just that freedom and that silliness, I think. Think about it now. Like, the amount of times during the day, like, I've got a few lads at work that are just pranksters through and through. And throughout the day, like, one that comes to mind, I've got a lad called Archie at our work. And he torments everyone. But it's the funniest thing. and there's like every now and again they'll just be dancing with him or running around and it's just yeah that little silliness in the day I think is is what you need to just get that stress out
1: absolutely and finally what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry
0: if you can visualize it you can do it so if you can sit there and picture yourself Doing whether I, I don't know whether there's a certain job that you're desperate to do. Like if you're not familiar with welding, but you really want to be. If you can visualize yourself doing it and practicing and getting good, and still have an interest, even when I don't know sometimes it's harder than you would have thought. If you can really picture that and see yourself doing it, then chase that. Like a hundred percent, go for it. Um, just give it. Do you Do your best. Give it a hundred percent. Um, and don't let any External source knock your confidence, because at the end of the day, whatever you're doing, it's most likely not for them. It's not so you can prove to them you can do it. So you can prove to yourself. So if there's anything that you're really wanting to do, visualize it, and yeah, go get it done. Give it, give it your all.
1: And then crank the music and sing at the top of your lungs while you're driving.
0: (laughs) Uh That's it. Have a little jig. (laughs) Make your cup of tea. (laughs) And just sing whatever song's in your head and make sure everybody else around you can I, hear it. Yes,
1: yes, I can see it. You have your, your <laughs> flask full of hot tea with your milk in it and your two sugars and singing yeah. at the top of your lungs while driving. That's just outstanding.
0: Doing the best dad dancing you have ever oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Katie, where and how can people connect with you?
0: Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, through my personal account, and I've got my my little painting page, which is like my hobby. That's called Nug Stripes, named after my car.
1: Can you spell that for us, Katie?
0: Yeah, it's a N U G S T R I P E S.
1: Awesome, awesome, Katie. Thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today and educating us Americans on a good cup of tea. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation <laughs> and your your journey is amazing and I what I love about your story is that there's been many stories of discouragement and negativity and not that you didn't face your challenges but it, it's also there's opportunities out there too. You just got to keep keep at it and find your place.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: I'm Katie Chandler. I'm a panel beater, and I'm a foam canic.
1: Amanda Briesbois is in the driver's seat next. She is a custom painter specializing in airbrushing, helmets, and motorcycles. She did not set out to be a custom painter. She graduated from art school with a BAA in illustration, with the goal of becoming a freelance illustrator working for a hip company in Toronto. Join me next week as she shares her humble beginnings and journey into becoming a show-quality custom painter. Until next time, Femmechanics. Thanks for listening to the Femmechanic Garage podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femmechanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a Femcanic?